You are listening to the For Flourishing Sake podcast by Frederica Roberts. Welcome to episode 52. This is the sixth of the extended podcast episodes over the next few weeks, where you will be able to listen to the replays of the For Flourishing Sake book launch events. Today, I bring you the second half of the third panel discussion of the book launch extravaganza. This panel was recorded live on the 18th of June, the day the Kindle edition of For Flourishing Sake was published. The paperback was published on Friday the 21st of August and the fourth panel was aired that day live. You will be able to listen back to it over the next two weeks, but if you can't wait, head over to the book launch extravaganza page at forflourishingsake.com to watch the replay. So, back to today's replay of part two of panel three. I chaired the panel myself and the panellists were Ian Flintoff, positive psychology-based education coach, consultant and trainer at a firm consulting in the UK, Serdar Ferrit, co-CEO and creative director at Lifter in Finland and the UK, Katrina Mankani, director of positive education at Sunmark School and Regent International School in Dubai, and Julie Goldstein, principal at Hartford Magnet Trinity College Academy in the USA. In this second half of the panel discussion, the panellists shared their thoughts and experiences with examples of elements required for a whole school approach to positive education. They particularly focused on the important role that staff training and leadership have to play. And finally, they shared how it feels when you get it right, when things go well, and their hopes and dreams for the future of education. You can watch back all the panel video recordings on the forflourishingsake.com book launch extravaganza page. And as usual, you'll find all the links on today's episode page at forflourishingsake.com. The whole concept of the book is that it's about looking at all the different elements that make up whole school positive education. And we've talked about some of those elements. Um, and I'd love to hear your views on, um, you know, what, what sort of elements are required, but also if there's any that particularly you want to um, give some examples of in practice, how you've done that in, in your own settings. So I'll, I'll throw that out to, to all of you. If, if one of you would like to start us off on that, uh, let me know if you've got something burning you'd like to say about that and we'll start with you. Okay. Uh, so. Um... I'll focus on staff uh, training to, to start off with. And I think that uh, most of my experience with, with staff training has is, is been really fantastic in terms of working with the staff at the place that they're at. Um, a lot of what I do is to, to get staff to, to build an understanding of themselves, uh, their own character strengths, which is often a, a sort of a very big uh, transformational moment for them where they realize they have so much to give and that they have unique strengths that they can utilize in their work. Um, and the, the development of that through uh, things like performance management, where um, staff are able to, in their reviews, talk about how they utilize their strengths in their work with the, the students themselves, uh, how they, they're able to really focus on how they've utilized their strengths to promote their own uh, professional development. Um, so that that's a, quite a key area that I think um, in terms of staff training is really important, as well as to, to veer into those areas of stress management, to look at coping, uh, to use some of the aspects that you'd see in, say, the Penn Resilience Programme around the cognitive behavioural approaches and thinking skills. Uh, 
uh, to looking at mindfulness um, uh, and to look at self-care, which actually teachers are notoriously bad at. Teachers are really good at, at going the extra mile for the youngsters, for their colleagues, um, but they're not very good at looking after themselves. So actually exploring with teachers how they really undertake that, those aspects of self-care and simple things that they can do for themselves, like giving them giving themselves time off to do stuff that they enjoy at a weekend, rather than constantly thinking about the work that they've got to do, thinking about exercise, you know, taking on board something like yoga or mindfulness that will develop uh, their own sense of well-being. All of those things, I think, can be brought into a, a, a staff training program. So for, for me, in, in terms of the work that I do, I think that's really invaluable. And really, the, the buzz for me from doing the training is seeing teachers and head teachers take that on themselves and develop their own well-being program. Um, and actually, teachers who do that are much more valuable in terms of the work they can do with youngsters because they're, they're going from a position of strength in a hopefully in a school where the leadership really care for the staff uh, and that caring spills over in terms of how the teachers interact and, and, and work with the young people. Fabulous, thank you very much. And there's a lot of aspects there that, that perhaps the others can uh, pick up on as well. So is there anybody that wants to jump in there and, and pick up some of those aspects that Ian touched on at all? Because there's quite a few I could think of. Uh, Katrina, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I absolutely agree with Ian that the training for staff is, is uh, paramount. And uh, what I noticed from the training that I, I run and um, every member of staff before they join uh, our schools, um, uh, they have to spend three days with me at the beginning of academic year. Um, and what, what I feel is that it's transformative for them. Uh, it's, 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 uh, it's, it opens the whole world for them. But then the, the, the problem comes after a couple of weeks and then months when uh, they get into, you know, day-to-day -day work and, you know, they need a lot of reminders. So that's why uh, it is, uh, and those reminders already won't come from the CPD because, you know, we all know in the schools, uh, the CPD time during the academic year is limited and there is a lot of, uh, 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 there are a lot of priorities and people are, you know, fighting sometimes whose topic is going to go on that week's CPD um, session. Um, that's why it's important that the every, every line manager, every team, uh, every middle leader, um, everybody ensures that they feed into, um, they feed those positive psychology and positive um, education concepts into the daily interactions with their members of staff, so to say, um, so that it becomes natural for them. And then there is a lot of reminders and reinforcement uh, around the school building and in the you know traditions uh, of the school. So how do we start the meetings? You know, what time do we switch off? Um, uh, you know, our uh, email communication and all those little things. Brilliant. Thank you. And uh, Julie, yeah, I can see your hand up there. Um, so echoing the professional development, I also think um, the, the leaders in the school, both from the administrator, both classroom, um, need to have that mindset that is related to positive education that, that again, is exemplified in a day-to-day -day way um, because it's um, there's an art and a science, I think, as everybody knows, to whatever content you're instructing on, it's similar for um, 
for positive education that there's an art and a science. So um, explicit professional development needs to start in the beginning of a school year, um, both for new hires as well as just for a reset for our staff, um, both in terms of our own vision for ourselves. I think that's really important. Um, and vision for our community and creating safety um, in, in um, ap apropos of the restorative um, way that we have to be safe to look at all, all experiences as learning experiences and teachable moments, um, both for ourselves as adults and for students. And I was, um, the mindfulness, you know, having a positive um, outlook is um, not possible all the time. We're sort of um, pre-wired to be a little bit negative thinking, most of us. And I think that getting training in mindfulness allows all of us to have a practice that um, promotes self-care and promotes some objectivity um, and allows us also to um, promote some really positive self-regulation, which is necessary right from the get-go with adults as well as for students, because that's... Um, what creates a community and a, a of a really positive community, um, and then um, having it visible um, in our advisory program. Um, students at the at Breakthrough Magnet School get that explicitly taught through advisory. That's something that we have also at my current at Hartford Magnet Trinity College Academy. So having curriculum that is um, assessed both through formal ways. Um, as far as comprehension and then also behavioral applications and really um, using, we use a, a, a Likert scale at Breakthrough, which I'm gonna be bringing to Hartford Magnet Trinity College Academy, um, in which we really look at whether we're going above and beyond, whether we're being self-directed, whether we need coaching or whether we're being disruptive, quite frankly, um, within those values so that students can really measure themselves against those things and strive to make improvements um, in, in those areas. Um, so the, um, the, the, the issue right now that we have the, the, the sort of co-occurrence of the pandemic, which is going to require a lot of resilience on our part in terms of, um, our locus of control, um, what's out, there's a lot of things outside of our control. And really we learn now more than ever, the only people we really have control over is ourselves. Um, and, and I think that positive education helps that. And then also developing our influence um, from the systemic standpoint um, globally. Um, systemic racism is not something that can be solved just through policy. I just saw um, a recent TED talk from um, someone whose name I've forgotten, but that like legislation, love cannot be legislative. And I think that's where this also comes in so that we can create that positive community that's caring um, and that then extends beyond. Thank you so much for that, uh, Julie. There, there, was, there was so much there. I kept kind of jotting down things and thinking, oh, which direction do I take this in? Because there's so many um, uh, great points. I think the, the one I would pick up on um, to start with is that leadership element, because, um, you know, what I was thinking when, when you were talking, Ian, as well about, you know, um, we, we can teach um, teachers all of those behaviours that are, are, are healthy, um, 
But if the leadership isn't backing that up and, and they're feeling the pressure from that leadership, and that can be school leadership, or it can be, you know, more systemic than that at a national level in terms of um, what's happening. And I was thinking particularly, and it's it's a big challenge for, for those of us who talk about positive psychology and teach these tools for well-being, when you're in a situation where now, certainly in the UK, um, you know, and I, I think it's probably very similar in a lot of countries, teachers haven't stopped since since uh, sort of January, February. They haven't had holidays. They haven't had weekends. They haven't had any kind of break. And, and now in the UK, there's some kind of alarming talk of summer catch-up. And, you know, when are these teachers going to get a break? Um, so leadership at all levels is quite important there as well, I think. And, and you know, we can only influence so much of that. But uh, I was wondering, uh, Sadar, whether you had some thoughts on that uh, from your perspective, obviously, of having been a teacher for, for quite a long time, um, and the impact of leadership on, on uh, the, the positive education side of things, but also your experience of leadership as somebody who provides a, a product linked to this into schools as well. Thank you. Um I guess I can I can share two things. So internally, um, obviously, we've been affected by by COVID quite heavily as well. Um, and over the last few months, we've tried to to keep spirits high, um, to keep morale positive. Um, and the way we've we've done that um, is well, actually, we've we we do it all the time in a way. We, we've got um, we've got something called Slack, which is a way that we communicate with each other. It's like a sort of more sophisticated version of, of WhatsApp. Uh, and on Slack, we have a channel called Lift the Love, um, which is uh, where we share positive stories or positive feedback. Um, and and it's literally used by everyone. Uh, so if, if someone sees a positive tweet or if someone uh, gets a positive email, they just uh, copy and paste it into the Lift the Love channel. And it really, really keeps uh, spirits high. Um, we've, we also, all of us, um, I'm so fortunate to work with the colleagues that I do, uh, we all express gratitude. Um, and this is not something that we've said that you must do. Um, we we model it. Um, and and it, it didn't take long before everyone was doing it to everyone. Um, and I think gratitude is such an important uh, thing. And I think there are so many people in society who who just literally do thankless jobs. Um, and and, and I, my plea to all leaders is don't, don't make your team feel like they're doing a thankless job you know, use gratitude um, so. Love that. that's, that's a strong message thank you thank you very much for that um so yes we've, we've got you know that all of those little aspects that feed into the the big picture and I'm, I'm looking at the time and thinking goodness there's so much more we could explore on this and already we've only got uh, just over 10 minutes um to go on this so Maybe we should look at a couple of sort of um, closing thoughts um, from everybody as, as we come towards the end. Some of this can be a challenge, you know, when we're trying to change the system, when we're trying to improve things, there, there are inevitably obstacles as, as we do this. Um, some of those obstacles are about um, perceived issues around the cost of doing this or, or real issues. They, they, there can be both sides of that argument. There can be obstacles around um, people objecting to change. There can be obstacles around um, 
time and whether there's time to put curriculum for well-being and character into schools and all of these kind of things, none of which are, of course, obstacles that can't be overcome. And then that's a whole uh, other kind of uh, panel we could do on just that. But um, what I'd like to, to bring out is, you know, because I'm sure all of us have faced these obstacles uh, to, to actually bringing this stuff in, um, is... How does it feel when we do overcome those obstacles and when when we do see those breakthroughs in terms of um, achieving uh, our vision, even if we're just getting some way towards it? But how does it feel when we as educators get some some breakthroughs in that? Would anybody like to start on that one? Yeah, I, I think I think I really like what the, the, the panel in, in their different ways have talked about in terms of values. And I think... If we're to bring it right up to the present in terms of staff in schools, if I was just going to focus on staff, I think that uh, in schools where those values about staff well-being are, are really embedded, uh, you can have those conversations and check in with staff to see how they are. And, and a well-being is not a static quality or quantity. It's uh, all staff experience ups and downs, and particularly at the moment, I think that the simple things that don't cost a lot are checking in with members of staff to get, if you're a leader in a school, get your team to check in with people. Um, you know, you could do a quick survey that might well be very useful at the moment just to see how staff are. Uh, and it, you, you might find very varying results. Some people may well have coped with the lockdown and the remote learning absolutely, you know, fine and they, they feel okay. Uh, and in some cases may well have flourished. Uh, others may not have done. And I think being able to check in with staff, have a quick staff survey to find out how staff are and then check in with them personally is something that's not going to cost you anything in terms of money, but obviously in terms of time. But I think time well, well spent checking in with your staff, finding out how they are, offering to be there and to talk through any sort of fears, anxieties that they've got at the moment. And I think that where you've got those those values and that culture that that, that Julie, Katrina, and and Sirdar have been talking about, that's that's really important. And I really like what Sirdar said about gratitude. I think focus on what you really value and and what you can see working. And 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 I think that has enormous benefit. You know, even in the the most difficult circumstances, and we're we're in that at the moment. I think gratitude is very powerful. Thank you so much. And um, so in terms of obviously, before your current consultancy role, you've, you've been in school leadership roles as well. Yeah. So um, coming from the perspective that you're from in terms of, you know, embracing all of that we're trying to achieve in positive education, presumably you had that mindset even when you weren't uh, studying positive psychology, but you were a school leader. Um, yeah. So when, when you had those moments when you felt, yes, staff feel appreciated and all that, how did that feel for you as a school leader? Because I'd like to give a feeling to those who are kind of thinking, oh, but it sounds like a lot of effort, you know, what's the reward intrinsically for me when I'm doing this stuff? How will it feel to me when I've, when I've put the effort in? Well, the, the reward is, you know, we're, we're, we're all very much social animals. We need that contact, we need that acknowledgement, we need that affirmation. And I, I think there's nothing more important than a leader actually making contact with, with their staff and making sure that they know that they're valued, they're appreciated. You know, it fits with the, you know, Seligman's PERMA, perma model. It's about accomplishment, that sense of uh, that you've done something well, that your role is appreciated and what you contribute is appreciated. Uh, you know, and actually it connects with the meaning aspect as well, that what you're doing is 
is invaluable to the organization. And I think that if you share that and, and model that as a leader, I think that's invaluable. And actually going back to the self-care aspect as well, which is not something I did terribly well as a head looking after myself, but actually now at 61 years of age, I'm much fitter, happier, healthier than I was as a head uh, because I didn't do enough self-care. And I think leaders have got to look after themselves uh, and I think build their own networks of support. And I think that that is, I think, quite critical for you as a leader not to neglect yourself, but to acknowledge that you have needs as well and to make sure that you get those met. Thank you so much for that. And um, I'll, uh, I'll just um, give a, a sort of a final question then um, to, to go to Julie, Katrina and, and Sadar, and then hopefully come back to you, Ian, as well at the, at the end of that. Then, um, you know, what are then uh, your hopes and dreams for the future of education? Um, so if you can just briefly, <laughs> that could be a whole talk. Maybe. Can I come to you, Julie, your hopes and dreams? Absolutely. Um, and I'll just throw out the word empowering since you asked, how does it feel? It feels empowering as a leader um, to go beyond the compliance aspect of some of what we have to do to um, promote that well-being. So hopes and dreams. Um, our world needs leaders. I, I, our, our school is a microcosm of society. And um, hopes and dreams are for my school currently and for our district and our, our state and nation and our world to have schools that promote students' um, well-being, their ability to be resilient, to um, be focused on what their purpose is um, in order to feel um, gratified each and every day in their school and also to then, you know, enter the world of... Um, of college and career and um, life as a citizen to make, to transform our world, to challenge that status quo. So um, I believe that positive education is going to assist all of us as leaders. And even if we didn't have it ourselves as students or children, I would imagine that each and every one of us as school leaders or teachers or wherever we're leading from, that is truly what we all want in some way, shape or form. It won't look the same, but that's not the point. It's um, just having people who are able to um, be problem solvers, resilient and contribute to um, the betterment of our world, both environmentally and society. So that's my hopes and dreams and I'm excited to be part of it. And thank you for putting it into a book so we can um, do more <laughs> with that as educators. Thank you so much. And, and that's a beautiful, beautiful vision uh, and very hopeful vision for the future. Katrina, can I come to you on this one? Um, Julie, thank you so much for your vision. I, I'd love to live in that world where, where it's led by the people who are in, in your school. Um, so, Federica, I, I'd like to still say about the emotion. Um, and, and when you asked this question, I only felt one emotion and, it, and it's humility. And I remember that um, after many years of trying to um, put positive education in our schools and, you know, working with so many educators, I came for an assembly which students in year six uh, built around character. Um, and I cried and I really cried there in the first row and, you know, thanking everybody who had been who had worked on this, you know, every single educator, every teacher, and all the children who put the effort into creating that. So I think it's humbling when you see that it works, um, at least for me. And in terms of um, my dreams and hopes for the future, 
I hope that every um, child can grow into an adult um, who feels that there is a space for him and he occupies this space with the um, confidence and conviction. He understands what are his strengths. He understands that um, uh, uh, how to adapt and how to be resilient and how, you know, mindfully uh, and uh, achieve uh, uh, his or her goals. So um, I, I, I very much hope that um, the future is not going to be linear, that everybody will be able to find their own path and the schools will help to equip students um, you know, to find that path. Thank you so much for that. And that is also a very, very beautiful uh, vision, Katrina. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. Um, I, I want to see those children grow up and, and be those people that you've described. Absolutely. Um, and I'll come to you, Sadar. What, what vision do you have? Thank you all for sharing your wonderful visions. Well, my, I, I guess I've sort of shared uh, our vision and our dream before, um, but I'll put it another way. I believe uh, that the children of today can build a more compassionate, more peaceful, uh, more sustainable world. Um, but if they're going to do that, then it's our responsibility as educators, uh, as innovators in education, to inspire and empower them to do that um, so that they can actually elevate uh, the world, the, the workplaces and the and the. Uh, societies of the future uh, and, and uh, it's our responsibility and, and thank you all for contributing to that thank you very much for that and do you have any final thoughts on that ian as well yeah i, I thought some great great thoughts there um my, my own thought really and I, I feel very hopeful for the future uh we are going to need some great leadership I, I think that um my particular dream for the future is that we really are able to honor the humanity of of those that work in our schools and on our young people uh, and it, it, you know to, to the fullest extent that uh, i think positive education starts to point us into that that right direction of, of bringing together uh that you know that the whole person really and looking at you know not just academic achievement that our students are not just names on a page next to a grade but they're people that we know fully and, and I think, as the other panelists have said, that we really get to know our students in that that whole sense and every, all the contribution that they can make to uh, making our world a better place. And I think if we're able to do that, I think the world is going to be an incredible place, really, if, if our students really are able to sort of discover with our help their, some of their potential and what they can give. Thank you so much for that. And, and thank you, all of you. Um, just like when I interviewed you for the book, just like when I went back over those interviews and listened back to them and looked back through my notes, I'm left at the end of a, a, a very long and exhausting day feeling so hopeful, actually, and so uplifted by everything that you've shared about what you're already doing, but also your, your beautiful vision for the future. And uh, I, I agree, you know, Sadar, you said we, we can do this and children can do this. And you've all got this real sense of positive drive and, and I'm sure there are so many of us that are driving towards this, um, that, that we can do this. And 
I think if there's something to come out of, you know, certainly the, the COVID situation that we're in at the moment is that perhaps it's going to act as a catalyst for change. That's my hope. I've seen it on a very small scale with my youngest daughter who's uh, studying medicine and she had a webinar yesterday about how it's going to work when um, her entire year group and, and the years above her are supposed to go back and, and be based in hospitals and uh, what's going to happen to lectures and uh, and what's going to happen to exams and, and a lot of the stuff that they were being told was actually well we were actually talking to our national health service about changing this for years and now because of this we're finally going to be able to change it and move to a different model of doing it this way so although it's not school in the sense that we've been talking about again it's, it's looking at education in a different way and sometimes there are things that people have been trying to do for a long time just like we have with positive education i think and character education and maybe maybe this this horrible time we're going through is actually going to do something to 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 make the policy makers realize just how important it actually is to educate the whole person and to not just churn out numbers that's my hope anyway so thank you for giving me so much hope um so i hope it's been uh, great for you and for the audience i'll just uh, finish off with a, a few thoughts on that really and um just a, a little bit of a, a call for, for help from the audience as well. Um, so this is it for this part of the extravaganza on the virtual book launch, but we will be back on the 21st of August with another panel uh, because on the 21st of August, the uh, paperback book comes out. So um, I'll be posting all the details on social media again. Um, until then, uh, remember, of course, to buy your copy of uh, the book uh, in, in Kindle format. And when you do buy it and you read it, um, I would really ask you uh, a big favour, well, a little favour, maybe a little favour. Um, but uh, books uh, live and die on reviews, and um, it's particularly important um, in terms of uh, where Kindle books are sold on Amazon to actually get those reviews. Um, so it'd be really useful if you could, uh, when you've read the book, leave a brief review on there, uh, an honest review. It's not just all about five star. If you don't think it's a five star, that's fine. I mean, it'd be lovely, but it's fine. Thank you in advance for any reviews that you, you post on Amazon. I'd be really, really grateful. It will help more people see the book and therefore also more people do this work and continue what we started. Um, so having said that, I'll bring the panel back on screen so we can see everybody. I'd like to say again, a huge, huge thank you, not just for tonight, but also for all your support uh, in the lead up to this and for your work in sharing your stories with me for the book as well, and all the time that you've put into it and so generously given the stories that you've shared. Uh, so thank you, Ian, and thank you, Julie and Katrina and Sardar. And a huge thank you to Rebecca Osborne for the beautiful, beautiful illustration we which of course I'll send to the panelists as well. Um, and uh, let, let's share it lots uh, on social media and let's make sure we tag Rebecca in all the shares uh, because her work is phenomenal and needs to be seen by more people. Um, and thank you to you who've watched uh, from home or from your offices, whatever time it is, wherever you are in the world. And a huge thank you as well to Annie Paul, who's one of the um, uh, contributors to the book, who's going to be on the panel on the 21st of August. 
who's actually been tweeting like mad through all three panels. So if you um, go on Twitter now, all of you panelists, you will see that she's been quoting little snippets of everything that you've been saying as we've gone along, uh, which has been absolutely fantastic. And I didn't ask her to do that, um, but that, that's been amazing. So thank you very much, Annie. Um, so thank you all of you and uh, have a great day, evening, morning, whatever time it is. Uh, I think I might uh, go and uh, pour myself a gin now. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much everybody and uh, we'll see you at the next one thank you for listening to the for flourishing sake podcast if you have found this episode useful or interesting please give it a five-star rating on itunes to help it reach more people and please spread the word also if you haven't already remember to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode for flourishing sake is available on all the major podcasting platforms The book is available from all major online book retailers in most countries. It's jam-packed with evidence-based strategies for whole school positive education, with case study examples from a wide range of schools from around the world. Have you got your copy yet? If you'd like to get in touch with questions or comments or to contribute to a future podcast episode, please contact me via Twitter at FlourishingEd. You can also leave comments on individual episode pages on the forflourishingsake.com website, of course. I look forward to hearing from you. And until next time, for flourishing sake, have a great week.